Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Italian Wine Podcast, as Wine to Wine 2020 media partner, is proud to present a series of sessions chosen to highlight key themes and ideas and recorded during the two-day event held on November 23rd and 24th, 2020. Wine to Wine 2020 represented the first ever fully digital edition of the Business to Business Forum. Visit winetowine.net and make sure to attend future editions of Wine to Wine Business Forum. Welcome everyone to hashtag me too in the wine business. What happened and what we can do to change the sexist culture online and work. I'm Michelle Erland, a senior account executive with Colangelo and Partners Public Relations in New York. And I'm very excited to be here with two very talented wine professionals, Tatiana and Laura. Tatiana is a London-based wine communicator, consultant, and entrepreneur. After working in the male-dominated investment banking industry, Tatiana caught the wine bug on a trip to Napa Valley in 2011. Combining her passion for wine and travel, Tatiana co-founded a wine tourism online booking platform. She holds a diploma in Wine and Spirits, and is currently a brand ambassador for Per Us, a boutique Napa winery. Laura Donadoni is an Italian wine journalist and blogger. Based in San Diego, where four years ago she founded the Italian Wine Girl blog and LA Com Wine Agency, a licensed wine importing company and strategic PR and communications firm focused on the wine industry. She is a certified sommelier with merit, with both the North American Sommelier Association and the World Sommelier Association and WSET Level 3. Also a fellow Vinitaly Italian Wine Ambassador. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. Yes. Hi. So we are, of course. So we are here today to talk about the hashtag Me Too movement, which popped up on the scene in 2006, but took the world by storm in 2017 when there was all these Hollywood scandals, and we saw industry by industry different Me Too uh, situations happening. This scandal that was covered by the New York Times is really just the tip of the iceberg. And there were other situations that happened around the world. So now I would actually like to turn to Tatiana, who is in London, to talk about the hashtag wine bitch scandal that flooded the European wine scene. Tatiana? Thank you, Michelle, and thank you, Wine to Wine Verona, for letting us speak on this sensitive subject. I know it's a difficult conversation to have, but it's one that we absolutely must have. So in a year that already has been tough with COVID and everyone struggling with mental health and um, inequality has only become a bigger issue, what we really needed was more kindness. Instead, we had two bombshells, the CMS scandal in the USA and the wine beach here in the UK. So if you uh, live on a different planet, you haven't heard about it, guys, I'll give you a quick overview of what Wine Beach was about. And Laura can talk a little bit more about the CMS uh, scandal in the US. So during lockdown in the UK, a total of 12 newsletters were sent privately, anonymously by an individual. 
And uh, the nature of this newsletter was uh, hateful, vile. It was hateful towards women and also peers in the industry. And um, it turned out that it was a well-known uh, TV personality, quite a charming individual, well-known in the trade, quite a senior person. Um, this person was uh, confronted privately, but he continued to write um, really hateful stuff uh, in, and uh, circulating to the inner circle. It was leaked, and that's how we found out. And unfortunately, what happened, there was no immediate apology. When some bloggers tried to confront this person, he only sent cease and desist letters and what we saw after that on social media is that not many people in the trade wanted to talk about this subject publicly because they were equally scared about legal threats and defamation. I was uh, enthralled in all of this personally, and I was shocked because I was a protagonist of one of these newsletters. And I was shocked because I thought a lot better of this person. He was sort of my sponsor at my Diploma Sherry Awards back back in January 2019. So I really looked up to, to this guy and I was really deeply disappointed and sad to read uh, what he wrote about so many other friends and individuals. So what we're here today to discuss is why it happened and what we can do better. We're not here to lament anyone. We're just trying to talk about how we can do better. We can all do better at the individual level, at the organizational level. We have to say this is not okay. Mental and sexual abuse is not okay. And if you don't want to do it for us women currently, do it for your daughters. Do it for the future generation. We're all going to benefit for it. Exactly. Thank you so much, Tatiana. And the CMS scandal, you can read up all about it in Julia Moskin's uh, detailed investigation in the New York Times. But I want to turn to Laura, who has... Laura, you are the famous Italian wine girl. You have a very large following online. And I want to talk about what effect has social media made on the wine industry? And also, if you could share an experience or a challenge you have faced as a, a top wine influencer. Oh, okay. Thank you for the definition of top influencer. Um, certainly not a top and even an influencer. I, I mean, I don't think to be, but anyway, I have a beautiful community online and that's I'm blessed to have. Uh, so I'm pretty happy to address this topic of the social media uh, and the wine industry because it's uh, really deeply linked to the uh, gender disparity we are talking about today. So it's undeniable that social media are a huge opportunity for the wine industry. And when I started the Italian Wine Girl uh, almost five years ago, my goal was to find a new way to inform and educate about Italian wines. So beside my blog, I already had my blog, I was writing articles, but I wanted to find a new way to, you know, drive people to my work, my articles. So the idea to me was and still is that the social media serve a goal to catch the attention of the audience and to drive more people to wine education, to the wine industry uh, with information and conscious consumption of this Mag magical beverage that is wine. So that was my aim and still is. But, so I started my Instagram account with the only aim to show the beauty of wine, to make people curious, to read my articles or watch my videos, which are still the core of my work. Uh, so social media to me are a mean, an instrument. But in these last years, 
something changed in you know in the overall uh, picture of social media so for most influencers now social media are no mean no instrument instrument they are the core of their work so most of the influencers they don't have a blog or another more in-depth channel uh, their whole communication is on instagram so uh, when they post something is not to recall an article or recall a video where you can go and learn more that is the communication so that post that story is the core of their work so the which are the consequences so the consequence is to me sometimes a lowered level of education content because you have to stick to the social media standards so you have a certain length you can write like uh, 4,000 words uh, about a wine on, a, on an Instagram post. So you have to be synthetic. So less information for sure. And also uh, you have to respond to some, uh, you know, uh, system like the algorithm of Instagram. So you have to take in account the likability of what you are putting out. So if this is your uh, final goal, you understand that, Content and uh, wine education uh, is in the background, is not the first goal of your communication. And this switch, this, this uh, shift from uh, in-depth content with articles and videos to uh, a more superficial content or synthetic content, which, are, which can be a post on Instagram or on Facebook, change the rules of how we uh, inform people about wines. So it's, I don't want to say what is best uh, because it depends. It depends on your audience. It depends on your goal. It depends on your target. But this is what is happening. And so, yeah, for sure, social media are an opportunity because now with them, we can reach more people than before. So it's a huge opportunity for us. And um, talking about women and wine, think about that women are the majority of the wine buyers among the consumers. So we have to think how to include women in our community on the social media in order to spread more wine culture. So it's a, you know, a double-sided uh, coin. We have to take in, into account both these two uh, issues I, I address. But uh, so on one side, we have the risk to misinform or inform superficially. On the other side, we have the advantage to reach more people and the occasion to include women or uh, diversities also, you know, um, like minorities in our communication. So, but we have to address the elephant in the room and um, we have to say that life is not the same for female influencers and male influencer as wine communicator. And I have some slides to show you guys uh, in order to understand what I'm talking about. It's pretty, pretty counterintuitive. If Michelle... We're going to pull up your beautiful presentation right now. Yeah, it's just I just collected some images from the internet. So as you can see, the first uh, slide shows what you get if you go on Google and write men wine. So you, you are looking for content uh, related to wine and men. And you see the pictures that pop, pops up are like respectable men, like, um, you know, very confident men, uh, trustworthy men with drinking their wines or explaining to other wines. And if we jump to the other uh, yeah, slide, <laughs> this is what happens if you, you know, digit women and wine 
So it was shocking to me that the first image that Google show me with this uh, research is nudity. Is a is a woman is a woman with the breast out, naked, with a glass of wine. And if we go through the images, you see a lot of sexual, you know, uh, and uh, nudity uh, related to wine and women. So the, the question is, I'm, I'm asking question because I would like to interact with the audience today. If the most clicked images of wine and women are sexual or displaying nudity, women wine communicators like me are inclined to follow this trend in order to stand out, in order to be noticed, because if, if they don't do that, probably they won't pop up pop up in the researches. They won't pop up in the algorithm of Instagram or, uh, or Facebook. So it means they need to, you know, behave or choose that kind of con content in order to be seen. Otherwise, we are invisible. That's what I, I'm, uh, I'm putting out provocations. I mean, mm -hmm. like, okay. And why is not the case for men? So it's pretty okay. Uh, if we go, uh, yeah, with the presentation, I try to look for um, the hashtag wine boy and wine girl on Instagram. Uh, as you can see, uh, like the hashtag wine girl is very, very popular. You have more than a thousand, a uh, hundred thousand posts with that hashtag. And it's not so popular that uh, guys like put like wine boy as a hashtag. So what does it mean? It means that the gender communication in the wine business is working uh, one way. So if you are a woman, you want to use the hashtag wine girl because you know that people will look for girls and wine in order to look picture like the one uh, I sh I'm showing there with I mean uh, it's it's pretty obvious that there is a sexual drive in that picture and the last thing I want I want to address I want to address in my uh, talk about the social media is body shaming because if the life of a um, female uh, wine influencer is uh, already hard enough because of what I just said, we have to deal with body shaming. Body shaming is directed to women in 99% of the cases and is a, a statistic of last year. And my example is uh, one of the example uh, I'm showing you in this uh, picture is that I was posting like just last September, a couple of months ago, I was posting about my um, speech to the SOMCON, which is one of the most, uh, you know, renowned and uh, prestigious conference of sommelier in the United States. So I was very proud that I was about to be a speaker also this year. Uh, and I posted a picture of last year because this year we did everything online uh, saying, OK, I'm going to speak uh, at SOMCOM. I'm very proud of it. Uh, follow my seminars. And the first comment below me saying, OK, I'm a woman, I'm a wine communicator, I'm a speaker at SOMCON, so I do have, you know, some credibility to talk about wines. The first comment below is a super wine girl, OK, wine girl, please increase your weight. So the only comment below this picture on Facebook is about my body. Unbelievable. Well, Laura, thank you so much for putting this uh, slides together because it's really eye opening. Uh, but now I actually would like to turn to um, Tatiana because, you know, both of you guys are freelancers, right? So Tatiana, could you tell us, um, do you think freelancers are more vulnerable 
to sexism, sexual harassment, cyberbullying, and if so, why? Thank you, Michelle. Um, really interesting slides there. And um, I'll talk a little bit about my experience as a woman and why and how I got into it and uh, I, how I became a freelancer. So I, exactly like Laura was saying, I was a consumer before um, and the majority of consumers now, more than 50%, are female in all major markets. So there will be a lot more curious female consumers in the future wanting to enter the industry. So we have to make sure that they don't feel threatened. Um, my biggest issue is that I face is acceptance in the industry. I constantly feel the pressure to prove myself that it's not just a hobby or a passion and not that just I'm some sort of alcoholic mom. You know, it's well known that the, the wine mom syndrome. Yes, I'm a mom and I drink wine, but it's also my profession. So unfortunately for women and wine, this also means to take the academic path. Um, there are more than 50% of uh, viticulturists and winemaking students at UC Davis and less than 10% female winemakers in California. Um, in terms of Master of Wines, only in 2011, we have seen for the first time more women Master of Wines than men. Currently, they stand at a third um, of women of all Masters of Wine worldwide, which is around 314 total. I still hear stories of young female Masters of Wines being treated as students even though they wear a badge. So I don't know what more they can do. If I were to make a pound for each time someone asks me, when are you going to enroll in the MW program? I'll probably be able to bloody pay for it now. But I am a woman and I've realized that I have to prove anyone anything. I have, I'm juggling three kids and a freelancing a wine a communicator career and a brand ambassador. I don't have to prove anyone I'm superwoman and get another accolade uh, and letters to my name. Research actually shows that in an interview, women, when they see a job description, they assume they need 100% of the skills of the job. So they'll go and take, um, and they'll be overqualified. While men assume they only need 60% of the qualifications required on uh, a job interview. And that's industry-wide statistics. So in terms of freelancers, I definitely think they're more vulnerable. That's because they have no backfall to an organization, to a legal department, to compliance, to HR. Also, they have to rely on uh, making income from uh, different projects. And I know um, quite a few of my friends who are freelancers, quite successful influencers. They have real jobs in other industries paying for it. And they still get a lot of uh, abuse and shit, cyberbullying from other people who say, you know, that you know shit basically about wine. So, you know, we do have to engage uh, millennials and Gen Z uh, generation using more uh, of digital strategy tools and more freelancers. So we have to make sure that these people are not ostracized. Exactly. Tatiana, you brought up so many good points there. Um, I do want to make sure we get to uh, how we're going to change. So I would like to ask both of you this question. Let's start with you, Laura. Uh, what are the most critical changes that we must make today to face a more safe and inclusive wine industry? Please. Okay, uh, thank you. I will go on with the social media topic. So Tatiana can address maybe the industry and like, the suggestion about the industry and the business. So to me, mm, on social media, uh, as a communicator, I think that the change from a 
sexy, empty, no content communication to a more substantial one is possible. And influencers can really be an opportunity both for their communities and for the wine producers. So most of the times women wine influencers don't even realize they are acting on the basis of sexual biases. So they just think that the only way to gain visibility on social media for females is to use their, use their bodies or their pretty faces or their cleavage in, in most of the times. So the first step is that we women on social media recognize these biases and stop acting on them. I know it's hard to do because you have this slavery of the algorithm, of the likes, of the follows, and, and it's not so easy to perform this. But if we want to change, we need to be brave and to overcome this. So yes, we can also upload a no makeup picture with an amazing wine we just enjoyed on our Instagram stories and make other people know about that wine spreading wine culture. So how many times happened to me that, for instance, I, I, I wasn't sure sharing a content because I wasn't feeling okay with my aspect. So I wasn't like filming a story or posting a picture of me enjoying the wine because I was thinking, okay, I'm not pretty enough. So if we start from ourselves, I'm, I'm trying to do so. I'm trying to change my communication on social media on a more, you know, content-driven communication. And I don't care if my ears are not perfect, if I'm not wearing nail polish, and I'm not now. Uh, or, But uh, I want people to care about what I have to say. And if we are brave enough to do so and to go to overcome these biases, which are part of us because we were grown like that and we grew up in a sexist culture. I think we also need to listen to each other and right. speak up when we see something that's maybe not making us feel okay. And we all need to do it as an entire industry. But I do want to get to Tatiana, if you could oh, give yeah. us yes, sorry. how you I think I know. the business right now in order to make it more inclusive and safe, please. Thank you. And just to pick on uh, Laura's thought trail on social media, in my ideal world, we would live in a world where we don't judge I know plenty of women who are body confident and are academically qualified to speak about wine. You can be a feminist and you can be fe uh, feminine. So uh, I also don't want people to judge women because they are working moms or because they're stay-at-home moms or because of what they wear or because of what they, they say. So we're all people. The future is going to be non-gender, non-binary, and we need to take into account and be inclusive. In terms of business... Uh, propositions. Now, I know this is going to take time. These are not easy solutions, but I do have some ideas. And the first one is, of course, to have more women at the table, be more inclusive. And by having more women at the table, you will be benefit as a business because you will engage with more consumers, as we said, more females consumers nowadays in terms of wine consumption. Also, more support for women, more mentoring, more training as well. So more, uh, less gender pay gap and so on. I came from a banking industry and since I've moved on now nine years ago a lot has changed very male dominated environment but companies are now required to report the gender pay gap 
So the you know it is still a gender pay gap, but they're working towards it. Women and men now share parental leave equally for six months. I know this is unheard of in the USA, and also uh, there are incentives to get uh, stay-at-home moms back to work. So it's all going in the right direction. I think we're still a decade or so away from it, but we need to see the same happening in the wine industry. Which brings me to the second point, which is related to code of conduct. So we need more of an industry-wide approach and protocol against anti-bullying, anti-harassment and disciplinary actions when we see it out. Companies need to have a zero tolerance policy in place, especially in hospitality. Freelancers need more support. So I'm currently working with organizations like the Drinks Trust and on a code of conduct as well that I'm trying to adopt from other industries. And it might look like an NGO or charity. So if anyone can offer help in terms of legal or sponsorship, we we would much appreciate it. And and lastly, I think we just need to appreciate that a lot of the wine companies are still small and lack HR and legal departments, so they won't be able to help in-house. So they can seek out and outsource training on diversity, um, especially, and and outsourcing can be a very good solution. Absolutely. And I'm actually happy to report that uh, we just came across a new initiative in the United States that's called Uh, Be the Change. It's a virtual job fair. The first one is happening on the 2nd and 3rd of December, and it's free to register. And it is pretty much a job fair that is going to focus on diversity and inclusion. And there'll be representatives from Gallo and uh, Jackson family and lots of people that you can talk to if you want to get into wine, if you want to maybe understand different avenues within wine, please check them out at bethechangejobfair.com because there's a lot of opportunities there. And I think this is bringing up an important topic, which is mentorship, right? I think the wine industry has been, I want to say, a little closed off to the steps that you need to get to a place. So to end our wonderful seminar, I'd like to ask each of you a question as very successful wine Um, professionals, what is one piece of practical advice you would give to a female starting out in the industry? Uh, Laura, let's start with you. Yeah, the first um, suggestion I will give is to inform herself, so to educate, to study about wines, but uh, don't feel obliged to do that through the wine institution you have now on the market, because we've seen that some of them are really not, you know, responding to these, uh, you know, requirements of diversity and inclusions. And so pick the one that represents you the most and the one with a women leader. Because as you mentioned, we need uh, women, like more women in the leadership. And we, as female, we need some example uh, to look up and to be inspired of. So inform yourself, educate yourself and look for uh, women in the wine business that can mentor you. Absolutely. That's the suggestion. Absolutely. And I want to say there's lots of amazing male wine professionals as well. And we need them to be just as supportive in this initiative. I think that's important. Uh, Tatiana, what advice do you have for someone starting out? Um, Wonderful words by Laura. I'll just keep it short. I'll say be curious, be proactive and be authentic. If you're not comfortable, just don't be afraid to say this is not okay. Also, follow on education. There are so many books currently to read, so many online courses to engage. I personally found it very beneficial to have a study group when I did my diploma uh, and uh, networking like that. But, you know, as Laura said, 
find a woman or many women. There are so many women and wine organizations right now. And that's a great starting point because you don't feel threatened to start with. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Tatiana. We have one comment coming in from Maria. Uh, why not create a special hashtag for professional women to spread a different kind of communication? I'm going to take that responsibility to the Italian wine girl. It's a good idea. Absolutely. We love it. Well, I just, we are at the end of our session. I want to thank both of you ladies. You are very empowering and you inspire me. If anyone has any questions for either of our panelists, please feel free to reach out to them and let's do it. Thank you so much. Yeah, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, chin chin.